Welcome to A Guide to Nothing, the podcast that explores all the shit people face in their 20s. My name's Caitlin. And my name's Liam. And today, we're going to be talking to you all about nothing. Hey everyone, and welcome back to A Guide to Nothing. Um, We're officially up to our third episode of the podcast, which is super exciting. For those of you who have been tuning in so far, um, you would have heard our first episode on, um, you know, the big two zero coming into your 20s, everything to expect, to think about. Um, And then our last episode, which was about FOMO um, and embracing failure. So for this episode we're taking a little bit of a different approach um, which we think might be something just to give you a taste for um, you know some things we might explore further down uh, in the podcast. Yeah so today's episode is on money in your 20s and it's going to be you know a bit of an introduction and overview into money habits and uh, good practices to start uh, in your 20s and we're going to go into a bit more detail. Yeah, um, but before we get started, uh, a quick little boring bit. Um, so just as a disclaimer, neither myself or Liam are financial experts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and general in nature and are not intended as financial advice whatsoever. Please make sure that you seek further information and advice before making any financial decisions. Awesome. So just quickly for today's episode, we're going to be you know briefly talking about why money is important in your 20s. We're going to go into you know a bit of habits um, that people have in regards to money and also in terms of spending and budgeting. So to start with, I think let's start with why money is important in your 20s. Yeah, I think money is super important in your 20s because there's a lot going on, right? There's studying, working, you want to go out, live la vida loca, you know, my favorite saying, I say that on the podcast <laughs> a lot, uh, probably, well, never, butchering, probably butchering the saying completely. So please feel free to correct me, um, but don't because I never like being wrong. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> it's important. No, so it's important to sort of try to find time to care or to think about money, which can be really tricky in your 20s because you don't have a lot of financial responsibilities. Um, or that's, that's not for everybody, but for a lot of people, there's a lot more financial freedom. You don't necessarily have people to look after. Um, there's more financial flexibility. So to kind of sit down and think seriously about money and where you're going with your money in the future just seems so boring. And it seems like a thing that, you know, a 30 year old Caitlin will look at 40 year old Caitlin will sort that out, but 20 year old me, no. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like it seems a bit boring and I mean, depending on who you ask, but I think it can have that sense of you know, being boring or just like, oh, it's just money, like I'll sold out later. And I think it's not the best mindset to have for sure. No. And it depends how you look at it. Like I remember when I first was approaching the task of budgeting and looking at money, like, yeah, hundred percent, it felt boring. Um, but the more you felt in control of your budgeting, the more you started, I guess, for me to create like long-term goals that I wanted to achieve with my money, it became a bit more exciting. And the other thing to keep in mind when you're looking at money whether it's your financial circumstances, coming up with goals, um, it can be very easy to have a hard experience looking at budgeting if you come to the table in a bit of a shit situation. So if you come to talking about money and you're not earning a lot of money, you're pretty broke, you've got some debts and things are looking really hard, sitting down and looking at money is going to be a really hard, laborious thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it is super essential because eventually as you start to gain more control over your financial circumstances, you have more goals, you've got more independence with your money, um, when you come to look at money, it'll get so much more exciting because you can see a physical progress happening, which I think is really rewarding when it comes to, to that sort of thing. Yeah, and you also built those habits even in, I'm not going to say bad times, but in previous times, you built those habits. So once 
you know, circumstances change. And the millions are rolling in. <laughs> you can go back to your one-page budget from yeah. when you were earning 50 bucks a week. And it's Thanks. the principle. Yeah, the principle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think even in saying that, like, it can be boring, but I think it's definitely the, you know, the habit behind it, which is the most essential part because if you've got that habit down pat, it doesn't matter what, you know, is going on, you're going to be reaping the rewards. Yeah. And ultimately things are only going to get more financially complex throughout your life. Right. (laughs) So, you know, for those who haven't already, eventually kids will be introduced. That's an an additional financial responsibility. They could be buying a house. They could be having to think more seriously about your superannuation. So like throughout your life, more things are going to be added to your financial situation that creates it creates I guess more stress more things to think about so starting a good routine now means that really it's just adding an extra thing to a very well balanced plate so you can kind of uh, do things well and I think that um, there's a lot to do with money and there's so many different avenues you can go down and I guess our intention further through the podcast is if it's something you guys are interested in take a couple of more topics in detail look into them um, get some people on who can give us some advice about those areas more specifically yeah because um, we're definitely not experts by not any experts by any means um, but definitely this episode will just sort of be like a general overview um, into, into guess, our, our opinions like just some ideas that we have that we think work for us and some things we've found some yeah. research our personal sort of preferences or things that we've found have been good for us exactly so i think to start with like we've talked a bit, bit about habits um but at the same time i think the i'd say one of the most important ideas in terms of money um is compounding and we'll talk about it yeah in you know episodes to come but just briefly touching on it like i know well, I'm not old enough to, I'd say, reap the rewards of compounding as such, but it's definitely the best way to start out. And whether that's saving, whether that's investing, whether that's, you know, whatever, if you have a long-term plan and you stick to it, over time, you know, the, the benefits of compound interest are going to help you out and to, to amount to you won't even be able to understand at the moment. Yeah. And I think it, it's all a time... It's, you know, it's all time and that's, that's what does it. Yeah. It's basically, it's like the, the easiest way to explain compound interest is it's a snowball effect. So like you start with a small and achievable amount now, and it's about the longevity of your saving or your investment and also the regularity as well. If you can continually add small amounts to that and hold on to that for a long period of time, it's ultimately, you know, given everything goes well financially, most of the time it is going to work out in your favor and it is going to get a lot bigger. And it was Albert Einstein yeah. that said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Those who understand it, earn it, and those who don't, pay it. So I don't think you have to understand compound interest in all of its complexity. I'm not a math Definitely person. Yeah. I've got no freaking clue whatsoever. The last time I even really looked at compound interest was like a year nine maths probably (laughs) while I was like online shopping on my laptop at the back not actually watching what was going on um but it is good to kind of understand it in general because it gives you context as to why approaching your finances moderately well in your 20s can be really helpful because it's better to start saving now than to hit 40 and go crap I'm retiring in like 27 years and what am I going to do like I've got not that much money in the bank how do I start you've missed the boat for compounding like not uh, completely but you've missed the best time yeah and I think it might seem like an odd point to start on but in when talking about why money is so important in your 20s I think it's the reason or one of the most important reasons as to why money is important because starting early starting young that's the key to you know building money over time 
Yeah. I think next probably to have a look at would be um, talking about money habits in general. Um, so I did a bit of research into um, some data from moneysmart.gov.au. So they're a, um, a government-run website and they had some data from 2016 which sort of looked at all of the money habits um, from Australia, state by state, capital cities, blah, blah, blah. Um, so as of 2016, um, the weekly spend based on life stage for a single person under the age of 35 with no kids was $849 a week. Um, and then the uh, weekly spend for a couple under 35 with no kids, where at least one person in that couple was under 35, was 1,572 per week. Mm. Um, now, obviously, those are broken down into a lot of different sections. Um, and that data isn't super, super specific because it's got from 35 and under. You know, we're talking 20s. There could be quite a big variance yeah. for someone who's 22 versus someone who's 29. Um Unfortunately, the data wasn't that specific, but it kind of gives you an insight as to what was being spent. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind, though, is it has been five years since then. So Yeah, I think last census data, but yeah. at, at least it's a good starting point to um, get some ideas on what is the average spend and you know where you fit into that. So I think it, some data is better than none, even though it's not super specific. Yeah. But. And I mean, when I was just bartending during uni, like there's no way I even made really $849 a week to be able to spend that same amount. So a lot of this data is also contingent on people who are not living at home because housing is probably the biggest component of both of those bills. Um, so a lot of those people who are lucky enough to sort of live at home, either paying minimal board or rent free or things like yeah. that, um, those sections wouldn't apply to you, but definitely those figures are quite large. And I know there's probably a lot of people who are like in their 20s who don't spend that much yeah. at the moment. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. So I think moving on next, um, let's quickly talk about some money habits uh, for people in their 20s. And I think four key ones that we find quite useful and not everything works for everyone, everyone's different. But for us, um, automatic direct debits once you get paid uh, is definitely one of the most useful ones. Um, bucketing money in terms of different accounts, spending, savings accounts um, is another good one. And I think, you know, third and fourth, um, saving before you spend is quite key and also delayed gratification, which Kate's going to talk about briefly as well. Um, so to start with, um, in terms of automatic direct debits, I think this one works really well for me because, you know, I get paid weekly, which I don't know, is not super common or... Oh, I can't. I get paid fortnightly. I did have a job once that was monthly pay, and that was a fucking that would grind. Be that terrible. sucked ass. Yeah. Um, but then like the owners changed hands and it went to weekly. But I think I think weekly is pretty common, and then fortnightly is the next common. I think a lot of corporate jobs tend to pay fortnightly. A lot of yeah. hospitality jobs and stuff like that tend to pay weekly, just because the rosters are so inconsistent. But when you go on to like salary based roles, you tend to get paid yeah. more like less frequently. Yeah. Well, I think weekly. I like weekly because. You know, it's consistent. You don't have to wait. Nothing better than seeing money jump in your account once a week. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, you know, it's not like it's a fortnight because it just feels, like, so disjointed, If like, at least in my opinion. And then it... I'm like, oh, it's Wednesday. Is this Wednesday my payday or is it next Wednesday? Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I think regardless of when you get paid, doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, but once you do get paid, having, like, obviously it's going to get paid into one account, but then having it being direct debited into the different account that you have in terms of one for bills, one for savings. I think that's the most simplest idea behind it. Just, that way you don't, you know, 
you don't get tempted to spend money that you have to use for bills or and you don't get you know into that trap of you know falling behind which i think is quite key and i find it really useful um and it's saying that works for me and i think it works for you as well yeah it's a good way to track um like that your money is where it needs to be like because particularly with a lot of bills now like um before you know you'd get sent a paper bill you'd go to the post office or pay it or you'd pay it online but most people just have their bills taken directly off of their card or out of their account now and having to check your bank account all the time to make sure there's enough money in there or the alternative of like getting that notification of saying the payment bounced and now they've taken like a $15 arrears fee out of your account is really annoying so having those automatic direct debits means that you don't have to spend all of your time checking your accounts and looking at your finances and it just automates your finances a bit so it means you don't have to spend a lot of time and a lot of effort checking on it if you come up with a good plan at the start and you're putting away the right amount of money you really should be okay with just checking in in your accounts maybe the day after payday to make sure the direct debits actually worked um and then that's it that's probably the last you have to look at it one less thing to think about and you know it's done you don't have to worry about it like so i think in in saying that saying that goes really you know hand in hand is bucketing money my favorite (laughs) (laughs) and it's i think it's a term that gets thrown around quite often um, i think most of the big banks have picked up on that term yeah. of bucketing now i'm not sure who sort of first came up with bucketing as a term um but everyone's all over it yeah it is a pretty hot word at the moment but i think you know put simply bucketing is just having different accounts for different purposes so like i mentioned earlier you have you might have one account for bills just in my, in my you know own circumstances i have like one account for bills i'll have one for um, savings, one for, you know, everyday spending. So you just have like different accounts for different purposes and it helps you track where your money is. I mean, it helps me, sorry, track where my money is and you just keep it better eye on, you know, where you're up to and I think, yeah and I think it helps because like for me I know I'm a very visual person I like to be able to really understand where my money is so if I had all my money in just a spending and a savings account like I look at my spending account and go well like what's really sitting in there like and I don't know what I can use yeah, with. and I know use. I can always go back to my budget and work it out but I don't want to have to so it's just a hassle. yeah the only like I think I love bucketing because you can have so many different accounts but in talking about that then it's important to look at the financial institutions that offer that at a service that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg so for example like um if you're currently a student you typically don't need to pay um too much like in terms of fees you usually tend to get fees um taken off for that um however once you're not studying or if you're not studying at all a lot of banks tend to impose like account holding and monthly fees um however there are quite a few online banks coming into the industry now that don't charge fees um and this is definitely not sponsored at all this is just personally who we use i know i use ing uh, and also ubank and they're two online banks that don't charge any account keeping or monthly fees um so that you don't have to worry, you can have as many accounts open as you want and you're not going to be paying. Yeah, I think I use ING as well. Um, and I think it's just super user-friendly um, and really easy to use because it's really simple just to set up new accounts in terms of like bucketing your money because it literally takes you like 10 seconds to open up a new account if you want to. And you can have like up to, I think it's like nine or 10 different accounts. Um, 
I'm sure most people like wouldn't really need ten accounts. Oh, I'm getting close. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and I think that I know with ING, not too sure about Ubank, but for ING, for example, I could only set that up once I turned eighteen. So I tried to set one up at the end of year twelve when I was still seventeen, and you're not allowed. So you, for the online banks, um, you can't have them open. So even say for example, you've got kids and you want to have like a little savings account for them, you can't set one up in their name on the online banks. Um, well, at least with ING that I know of. Yeah, um, but I have quite a few like. But mind you, we have more accounts because we also have joint accounts now as well. But I know for me, like I've got one account, which is my bill account. So all the money that gets direct debited from me, whether it's my car insurance, phone bill, blah, 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 comes out of one account. I then have a separate account, which has like long-term car expenses. So like my budget includes like a certain amount per week for like things like servicing car rego and stuff so that when my rego is due, it's already there. So I keep all that in there. Have a savings account. Um, but, but why do you do it in terms of like... <laughs> I have a lot of things. Fortnightly accounts instead of just like, you know, when you have that bill come up, why don't you just pay it out of your normal account? Because for me, like if I'm just putting all this money into savings and then my car rego is due and I'm like, oh crap, that's 1600 bucks. I feel like it's coming out of my savings. Yeah. Even though I wasn't actually saving that money, it was for the car to begin with. So for me, I'm better able to separate what's free for me to spend and what's also free for me to invest or to save because I have a very clear savings or budget, which for like expenses. So it's not savings, savings. It's like money aside so for future bills that I know are coming out, yeah. which are things that you can't pay weekly or fortnightly. Like they're things that you can only pay annually or like when you can't eat the service or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Awesome. So I think moving on from bucketing, um, you made a really good point to me earlier, just about um, delayed gratification. And like, I'm, I'm sure you know a bit more than me about it, but in terms of just, you know, waiting is it just about that, like waiting before? I think it's a couple of things. Um, the The issue with like, I think this sort of era in time is there's so much at our fingertips. Um, so there's always that like, I need to have it, I need to have it now. So we seek a lot of instant gratification. You know, you might see a pair of shoes that you like and you go, oh, what I'll do is I'll buy them this week and I'll top up my savings from my pay next week. Or my bills don't come out for another week so I could buy these shoes now and then just top up my bills next week, like rather than waiting. Um, so what I think we're not good at is doing that. And that's where a lot of these companies, um, like Afterpay and things are becoming now, really popular. Yeah. yeah, all these buy now, pay later services because it's like, well, we don't have the patience to wait the four weeks to save the four payments to buy it outright. We'd rather just put it on Afterpay or get a personal loan or something like that. And I think because like with Afterpay, for example, or I think most of them actually... Um, they don't charge interest as far as I'm aware. I think they aware. charge more. Unless you're, you're late for a payment, um, yeah. from what I understand anyway. Um, unless you're, if you use it how... They're usually like the four interest free payments. I think yeah. like we, some of them, not 100% because I haven't looked into all the platforms, but you can do like longer term ones where it might be like a 12 month repayment instead of the four payments. And on the 12 month one, they charge interest or like things like that. It just depends. Right. They're all pretty different, but there's basically ways now to buy what you want straight away with no financial consequence or really on the surface value, no financial consequence. Yeah. And that yeah. definitely doesn't help 
the cause of what you're trying to say. No, yeah. So I think it's that desire to constantly have the biggest, the best all the time. So for example, those people who upgrade their iPhone every time the new model comes out when their old phone is perfectly fine. Um, so you've spent the last four years on a phone plan paying off the phone you got only for that phone to now be worth less and for you to upgrade to an even more expensive one. Whereas what you could do is just pay off that phone, keep using that and reduce your phone bill by whatever your mobile repayments were. Um, so I think the most important thing in your 20s is to start practicing delayed gratification. So my personal motto is I will never go into debt for anything that I'm capable of saving up for. So for example, like with a house, it could take us 30 years to save the amount to buy a house. And by the time we go to buy that house, that house is now worth three times what it was worth 30 years ago. So it's pretty hard to save upright for a house unless you win the lottery. But for example, if I wanted to buy, (laughs) yeah, if I wanted to buy some new shoes or some new clothes, I try my, like I would never personally use Afterpay or anything like that just because my thing is I like to save it and pay it outright. And if that means delaying my gratification and waiting longer to get something, then I will. Yeah. And I think just because it's so easy to get something, you know, as soon as you want it, and it's, it's hard. I, I get yeah. tempted 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, because it's so easy these days, or I think in any generation, but especially these days because of technology, it just has become so easy to buy things when you don't need it. Like, if you think and about the next day... everything's made obsolete. Like, yeah. like, yonks and yonks ago, you'd buy a phone and that phone would be like one of the best quality things for a really long time. Whereas now there's a new model every five minutes. So you're constantly thinking that yours is a sub subferior product. Like... Which is, I guess, why you're constantly thinking of something better. Kind of links well to our, our FOMO topic last week, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but coming from delayed gratification, another important sort of um, thing to start building as a habit in your 20s is the notion of save before you spend. So a lot of people, when they are um, looking at their budget or they get their pay every week or fortnight, the money comes in. Um, they usually you know, pay their bills buy whatever it is they want to buy that week and then save whatever's left when really it should be the other way around what you should be doing is setting a savings goal and so what happens is is your money comes in you pay your bills you save a set amount and then if there's leftovers you can consider whether or not you want to spend yeah and i think it is hard to do because you are in complete control of like what you want to do with your money and i think that's the hardest part because like there's not your boss there telling you you have to do this. There's not your parents necessarily. Like there's not, there's not really, usually there's not any external regulation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what can make it so difficult to have that discipline just to say, Oh, I've got to, you're not accountable to anyone. Exactly. Yeah. Unless like people, debt collectors are coming after you. (laughs) Or sometimes like when you're in a relationship, you're at least responsible for your joint finances. and, And I guess the longer you're together, the more joint your money becomes. But like there's yeah there's no one tapping you on the shoulder to go oh should you really buy that like do you need it exactly like, and i think that's where habits come into you know the most importance because building those habits uh, i found anyway building habits is the key because you get that discipline automatically because it just comes hand in hand with that yeah but definitely a super important thing is learning to save before you spend you don't have to save all your money and leave yourself with a tiny bit for spending if you if you like to spend money and your thing is for me personally i love getting my nails done every week like not me but i'm saying like if you would think 
I love getting my nails done every week. I want to be able to go out for dinner two nights a week and do this. So if you know that costs you, yeah, if you you know that that costs you a certain amount, then build your savings around that. Go, okay, well, you know, I want to leave myself a hundred dollars a week to go out for dinners and stuff. So then I need to, you know, keep that aside and then also decide on how much I'm going to save every week. And every time your money comes in, go, this is, this is my bill money over to this side. I'm going to put $150 into my savings account and then I'm going to leave myself $300 and I know I'm going to spend $100 on going out this week and then the other $200 I can spend if I want and if I don't, then I can save it or do something else with it. Yeah, just in, I think while we're talking about it, I think in terms of a savings account as such, I think one of the traps a lot of people can fall into is that you just have a savings account for the sake of it. Like you don't actually have a purpose as to why you're having that and it makes it really easy to, to dip into it exactly and it just it's just i don't know i find it's a lot easier to have a goal as to why you're saving because it gives you motivation not to touch it yeah having no financial goal for your savings like saving is still better than not saving at all but when there's no goal there you, like you're not taking something away from yourself like if you have a goal yeah. of like i want to buy a new car and every time you look at that savings account and go to take out 50 bucks for drinks you're like oh, but that's taking me $50 away from that new car. Like you feel guilty about it because you know your ultimate goal is not to get on the piss, but to buy a car. Like, and that's what you want more, right? Whereas when there's no goal at all, you're like, oh, well, I'm not saving for anything. So it's just sort of sitting there. What I want right now is some drinks. So I'm going to buy those drinks right now (laughs) because I've got that money sitting right there. Like, and it's not going to anything else. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's it's a super like easy thing to, to do. Like just come up with a goal that you want to save towards. And it makes saving a lot more easier, a bit more fun as well, because just having a savings account for the sake of it, it can be like, oh, why am I doing this? Like, this is so pointless. Mm. But if you have like a reason as to why, which I think like a lot of people do, but some people just don't realize. Um, I think it's- And a- you don't have to be saving for something. If you can't think of something that you want to save for, then set a savings goal instead. So I want to hit five grand or something, right? So rather than going, I want to buy a car or I want to buy a new phone or I want to buy this, instead of having a material thing to go for, set a money amount and then challenge yourself to hit that, like that amount because it's addictive once it's growing and growing and growing. And then once you hit your savings goal, you never want to see it drop a cent below $5,000 if that's your goal. So even using that to challenge yourself to save money, if you can't think of anything, I guess, physical or holiday or anything else that you want to save to. Holidays. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Distant memory. Yeah. Well, I know like holidays used to be a big part of our savings. Like it used to be a massive part of our financial goals, but I guess now you can't go anywhere. So our finances have had to take a bit of a rejigging. Um, but I guess something we thought would be worth sort of um, chatting about is talking about our personal framework or how we personally go about using and spending our money. Um, so there's a lot of stuff out there in terms of, you know, what you should and shouldn't be spending money on, but we thought, you know, let's just go through our experience, have a chat about what we like to do with our money and hopefully through there you might hear some things that, you know, you like the sound of or you can go looking into further. Yeah, and I think one of the most popular, you know, spending sort of patterns is the 50-30-20 rule in terms of like, it's all percentages. I know it sounds a bit boring, but just just to give you a quick... It does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm boring myself. Um, <laughs> but just quickly, because got to get the background stuff out of the way um a popular one is 50 percent spent on needs 30 percent spent on wants and 20 percent on savings 
But I think just having a quick chat to you, we both agree it's not quite what we'd like personally. Um, But yeah, like, could you start, you know, what is, I say, your ideal? Um, Well, I think for me, I try to minimise expenses where I can. Um, So yes, the whole 50 rule of try not to ever spend more than 50 on your needs it's a good guide. I, th- I think the way I approach that guide is this is a, I guess, a worst case scenario. That's how I like to look at it. You should never spend more than 50% on, you know, on, on expenses. You shouldn't ever be doing less than 20% savings and you shouldn't be spending more than 30% on wants, right? It's sort of how I look at it. Um, but ideally, I would not like to usually spend 50% of my income on bills. And that's not always going to be a choice. Like, I mean, eventually when kids are involved, and especially kids because they suck a lot of money from you as much as we love them, they do. Um, so for me, I like to yeah, keep my costs down. So something I was telling Liam was that sort of every two to three months, I go through all my bills and I do an online quote comparison to see if anything has come down in cost or if anywhere is offering something cheaper. So sometimes I'll do a comparison and every other phone plan is more expensive and I'm like, good, I locked in a pretty good rate. I'll mm. stay where I am. Um, whereas not long ago, I did a quote on my comprehensive car insurance and found that there was a company offering a couple hundred dollars cheaper a year. I called and swapped straight away. Well, I called my company first and said, we offer a price match. They said no, and I moved. Um, so doing stuff like that to There's constantly keep loyalty. it down. <laughs> that's actually something super important to mention fuck brand loyalty like I, I know that's a pretty big statement to make but if like a brand doesn't care if they're saving you money or not not necessarily like at the end of the day they care is about profit margin nine times out of ten like I've like you can be with the same phone company for ten years and call them and say hey like this company's offering half of what you're offering will you offer me a discount and they'll go no but we'll give you an extra ten gigs next month sorry not good enough for me see you later like for me, I'm like, fuck brand loyalty. You don't really get a lot of benefits out of it nine times out of ten, unless sometimes you do, and then maybe it's worth staying. But for most companies, if they're not offering the best service and they're not offering the best price, move somewhere else. Oh. Do not like, do not stay with a brand because you think they care about your personal business at an expense to yourself. Not worth it. I think makes me angry, but that's all I have to say. <laughs> I'll leave that point there. I'm definitely not passionate about that, are you? No, no. Um, like so many people stick with the same brand because oh, I stay with them because they're a good company and I like them and and you know and they care about my business. Ultimately, Joe Blow, they don't. They don't care about your business. Yeah, I think you're definitely more disciplined in terms of that than me because, like, for example, my phone. It can be scary calling up and cancelling companies, but sometimes it's fun. Well, I just don't you really know, do it. The like... Karen in you. <laughs> Karen-esque. Mm. Um, no offense to my grandmother, Karen. We love you. <laughs> if she was even listening, that's if she could figure out how to use Apple Podcasts. Maybe I should teach her. Be surprised. She's already got it working out. She'll hear it through word of mouth. I'll yeah. be in trouble. Um, I think, I mean, that's definitely something I don't do personally. I don't call up and change companies just because like they're offering a different rate, which theoretically is something I probably should do. I just don't do it. And whether that's because I'm lazy or because of don't find the time. It's probably one of those two reasons, really. <laughs> well, you can save so much money. Yeah. Like, because also, like another thing, for example, a massive example for me this year, right, was my CTP green slip came out. And for people in their 20s, you will definitely remember being under 25 and being slogged with green slip insurance. Like, it's so expensive. And so my bill, like my automatic renewal came out from company A, I won't name and shame. Um, and it was about 740 bucks, right? And that was my quote. And I was like, oh, that's a bit like expensive. And I had budgeted that. So it was there just in case yeah a bit steep no pun intended uh, 
And so I went on um, like a couple of different websites and just did a comparison. And everyone else was offering offering like five sixty for the same bill. So yeah, I changed. I could have just paid the renewal. Like I felt like it because I was lazy and I was like, oh, I just want to get it done. But had I done that, I could have lost potentially close to 200 bucks. So like in just taking the five minutes to check and compare, and we live in a time where there's so many websites that can help you with now, like that. Now you can do it with your electricity, your gas, your rent. You can do it with fuel. You can do it with insurance. Like there's no reason why you can't just try and spend 30 seconds just to compare every now and again. And you might be pleasantly surprised and find that you're getting the best deal you can get. And then you feel satisfied with what you're spending. But unless you check, like you shouldn't really be satisfied because if you get comfortable, that's when you just get sucked into paying more money over time. Yeah. So I think with savings, you said you weren't happy with 20% ideally. What would be your ideal percentage of your income being saved? Um, it depends. If I have a distinct savings goal, I'm a bit of an aggressive saver. Um, so for example, um, Liam and I bought a house this year. Um, and so for the last 12 months, we were saving a deposit for that. Um, and so for me, 20% wasn't good enough. I was like, I want to save 50% or more of my income to get this goal. That was a bit exaggerated, obviously not always possible. Um, I'm a little bit nuts so with just setting a goal and going a bit crazy about it. Um, so I saved the whole house deposit in about nine months for this house and I spent money on nothing but the house deposit. Um, every now and again, yes, I would still do little things like maybe go out or buy a bottle of wine or buy a coffee, whatever. But I was pretty strict with spending like 50% savings. But I can't always do that. I know yeah. that's not realistic for a lot of people. And it's not even realistic for me most of the time. I just made it work. Especially it long, long term. Like, it, you got you got to be flexible. Like, you, like it's something you didn't say that worked for you. But it definitely won't work for everyone. And I think I don't, I you, have have to, you still have to enjoy the present. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I definitely could not have done that forever. I think it's because for you and me, we set a goal of 12 months. So I knew I had to suck it up for 12 months for what was like one of the biggest financial purchases of my life. So I was like, look, it's worth slogging it out for 12 months as a popo, like pretending I've got no money and then it'll be fine. Um, whereas now that we've sort of made this purchase, I think ideally I would like to aim for usually between 30 and 50%. If I have no, nothing else to spend my money on, like right now we're recording during lockdown. It's like our sixth week of lockdown. I've done some online shopping. Um, I won't lie. I've done done a little bit of damage some. there. Yeah, I get a bit cranky when I don't get my packages on time. Um, but yeah, so like for me, I have, I'm not going out. I don't really have anything to spend my money on. So I'm saving more. Like I can save 50% of my income every week because I've got nothing else to spend it on. But if we decide we want to do a house project or like, you know, something like that, or when lockdown ends, if I want to go out or go away for a weekend, then I'm obviously not going to spend 50%. But where I can, 40 to 50% is kind of my goal. Yeah. I think it's just like, like I said earlier, getting into the habit of saving as much as you can for it. It can be specific. It can just be um like a number amount but just having that goal to save towards i think and i think numbers are super a heaps easier like i personally don't relate to the idea of percentages like i want x percentage of my income saved i like saying to myself i want 400 dollars a week in my savings account oh for sure like i definitely work better on just a solid number and i think probably a lot of people can relate to that but it's just easier yeah i think percentages can work as well just in terms of um uh, comparing what your budget looks like to you know set standards or other people so it's think, just universal it's easier to look at yeah, yeah for sure so i think let's quickly talk about budgeting another super exciting topic <laughs> um 
They don't have to be as crazy and as complex as you think. You don't need to be savvy on Excel spreadsheet or anything of the like to have a good budget. It can be as simple as a one page document, a couple of dot points. Just having a rough guide is better than nothing. Exactly. And that's, I mean, personally, that's all mine is. I just handwrite on one piece of paper. Um, handwrite? I have not seen a handwritten budget from you. That's all I do. I don't even know how to use a computer. <laughs> that is such a... <laughs> that's disgusting. I'm sorry you guys had to hear that. Um, uh, yeah. So, it is, mine is handwritten, trust me, um, on you know one piece of paper. That's as simple as it is. And uh, I'm not trying to you know make it sound pretty because... Budgets aren't normally. They're just, no. you know, something well, you have to Mine's like a one page. Do. Mine's typed just because, like, I like things being in a space where I can access it. And most people who know me... Well, not all people because it's a bit of a secret shame I don't tell people about. So Liam really knows. But I have, like, a really unhealthy relationship with Google Drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm quite worried. <laughs> like, I am honestly just obsessed with Google Drive. Anyway, this is not a this is not a podcast about Google Drive, so we can move on to other things. But my my budget lives in you Google Drive, so I can never lose it. Oh, I could go on for at least forty minutes about Google Drive. Anyway, um, so I have my budget in there on a document, <laughs> and mine is just one page, and mine's just got like my bills down one side, what they cost me per fortnight, and then what it cost me per year, and then a total down the bottom, so I know what my bills are per fortnight, and then on the next page I just have how much needs to be in each account every fortnight, and then I've got that in the app as my automatic debit direct debit yeah. yeah so like i know i need to have all the bills in orange in my like spending account because they get direct debited out all the bills in yellow have to go into this account and then i just have it transferred yeah and that's the beauty of direct debiting because you don't even and have to Google look drive because you can highlight colors and <laughs> color coordination I'm, anyway. s- I'm sick i'm very sick <laughs> i'm very unwell <laughs> so yeah direct debiting that's i think another useful like tool in terms of budgeting because it's you know automated for you don't have to think about it and yeah. just makes your life so much easier and i think mine, the, anyway. <laughs> the most important thing to remember with budgeting is it goes beyond your financial obligations so what's coming out budgeting is about for example preparing yourself for like upcoming costs so if you know what it costs you to register your car every year don't let yourself get caught out at rego time and go, oh shit, I've got to take out 1600 bucks from my savings to pay my car rego. If it's something you know you have to pay every year, just because it doesn't come out of your account every week doesn't mean you get to forget about it for 12 months. Find the amount it costs you, divide it by 52 and put the money away every time you get paid. Like So that way it's sitting there just in case. That's what budgeting is meant to be for. It's saving for the big costs paying your constant bills and then setting yourself up for a rainy day. Sweet. So I think that just about covers everything except I might quickly just touch on... Rainy days. Yeah. I mean, I think three months is a pretty good... Um, at least it's, it's a good start for an emergency fund. Yeah. And I think the benefit of having this emergency fund, it sort of goes under bu- budgeting. But Well, I think let's kind of rewind a little bit. Um. Emergency fund, when we're talking about an emergency fund, an emergency fund is a, a pool of money that you've got sitting in an account that you don't touch. And you have it sitting there literally for a rainy day. Now, the ultimate goal for that account is you keep it in there for unemployment. Not that the ultimate goal is unemployment, but that you have it sitting there in case you lose your job, in case coronavirus 2.0 hits and everyone's out of work you've got money sitting there to still pay your bills or at least the essential ones. However, it can also be for things like, you know, 
um, all of a sudden you need your wisdom teeth out because, you know, Can't we're in our 20s. Sense. How many of us are probably going to have to have our wisdom teeth out if we haven't already? Not me. <laughs> Don't have any. <laughs> Um, like literally I, I, the dentist looked at an x-ray of my face and he can't see any wisdom teeth in my jaw. So yeah, you can tell me no one cares. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's having money and you can use it as a slush fund for things that you're not expecting that are really out of the ordinary. Um, now we first got the idea for an emergency fund from my favorite book. Definitely also not advertising. I just love it. And it's called the barefoot investor. Um, super good start just to have a look and think about money. And so he talks about Mojo, which is an account that helps you get your mojo back. Because <laughs> his thing is, is like, if you know if you've got rainy day funding, he says, if you have rainy day savings, then you'll feel more confident in your life because you know that even if something goes wrong, you got a bit of cash aside just in case. You're never like running on tethers and getting a bit nervous. So his idea was you should have three months of what it costs you to live as an emergency minimum amount. Now for us, that's our goal. Um, but we sort of had a chat about like, I guess that didn't we like for us, we would love to have six months as a cushy level, but three months is our minimum so that we feel safe and secure. Yeah. I think three months is, um, it's pretty good. Like, because generally with, you can find a job in that time if you're underwear. Yeah. And three months, it's, it's long enough that I think like for most circumstances it should cover, um, but obviously it depends on your own situation. Um, I find three months works for me and it just depends, yeah. but yeah. And I think it can depend on a couple of things. So, um, when we were sort of having a chat about, you know, the, the mojo or the, the savings account thing, um, we were saying that like this whole idea of an emergency fund is different from people who have debts versus people who don't have debts. Um, so for people who have debts, whether it's a personal loan, a car loan, a home loan, that sort of thing, um, you need to make sure you have more set aside because, you know, yes, there are some things like hardship plans and, you know, gratuitous pausing on your loans and stuff in extreme circumstances it's not always guaranteed and it's not good um so having money there to pay your debts is really good because at the end of the day you can always cancel your netflix account you can always pause your gym subscription you know and do all that sort of stuff to cut your bills down but you can't just call up the bank and say hey not going to pay my home loan for the next three weeks looking for a job let you know when things get better yeah <laughs> in saying that you should still budget in your, your emergency fund three months emergency fund or however long for the gym and whatnot if that's something that you prioritize because if, if you're having happy to save that there so you can keep going then that's great but if you're thinking oh i don't have a lot of spare money to save i just need to save for the essentials those are things that keep in mind you can cut them out you know if if you don't if you can't save that much for your emergency fund yeah good point yeah. yeah. Um, now, the other thing is not to include, I would say, hex, because just keep in mind with your hex debt, um, it's based on how much money you earn per year. So if you're unemployed for three months of the year, obviously that'll be taken into account when they take your hex repayments. So you don't need to keep money aside um, in your mojo or your, you know, I guess, emergency fund for that. Yeah. Well, I think that just about sums up everything. I know it's a, it's a bit broad, but it's a quick introduction just to some ideas that we want to talk about a bit in more detail later on. Um, and it's a good starting point in terms of talking about money in your 20s.
Yeah, definitely. Um, but if there's anything you have further questions about um, or you kind of wanted some more specific information, definitely let us know any questions and stuff that you've got um, and we can have a look or we can even maybe get some um, interesting people in to come and give some advice, hopefully. Interesting, <laughs> <laughs> interesting people. Um, but yeah, so apart from that, um, we hope it was good. We hope it was informative. Please, again, just keep in mind that we aren't financial experts. So what we've said today um, may be disagreed with by professionals, potentially not. Um, um, but it's just, just with what we think has worked for us based on what we've researched and what we're finding so far, so far being 21 and 22 and having to manage our own money. So, um, but definitely do consult and do your own research before you make any sort of big 100%. financial moves and decisions. Yeah. yeah. Well, get keen for next week's episode and have a good week, guys. Yeah, we will see you next week. Bye.